Hello, everybody. All right, to welcome everyone to the opening session of Yedidim's third annual Chinuch weekend in Los Angeles. Even though we can't be there in person and enjoy the tremendous hospitality that we always receive, or Hashem for technology, so that we can at least connect virtually. At Yedidim, we have been even busier than usual, helping the children and families that needed us during this period even more than usual. Besides that, we have moved many of our programs online. We have held webinars, workshops, support groups, events, and more virtually. We have reached close to 5,000 people from all over the globe just from these programs alone. The Chinuch of Today weekend is sponsored by the Silverman family as a schus for a speedy and complete refuah shalema for their father, a friend of Yedidim, Nachi Silverman. Sheobi mispalo that Nochum Avram and Rivka should have a speedy and complete refuah shalema Nachi has been a sponsor of all our past Los Angeles events. So it is befitting that this event should be a tremendous schus for his complete and speedy recovery. <clears throat> Although these events are free of charge, we, re we will reach out to you after the weekend and ask for your generous generosity. Help us continue to help the thousands of families that count on us each year. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our Women's Steering Committee as well as the many friends that have once again been a tremendous help to pull off this event here in Los Angeles. I would also like to thank Jim and Jill Kappenstein for sponsoring tonight's session with Rabbi Leff. They have always opened up their home to host Rabbi Leff and his Rebbitzin in the past, as well as opening up their home to Yedidim. May Hashem give them shefa bracha v'hatzlocha and tremendous nachas from their family. <clears throat> this year has been an unprecedented year on many fronts. A worldwide epidemic has left us stunned and bewildered. The fact that there is no rhyme or reason to its patterns shows us clearly that it's from Hashem. But what is the message for us? What are we supposed to take away from this? This has been a year where the political arena resembled more of a kindergarten class in a bad neighborhood. A year where the woke left is interested in uprooting anything sacred. Parents might feel, how can we raise our children in such an environment during such time? However, tonight and Motsi Shabbos, we will address these challenging issues head on. And we will become empowered and receive the tools needed to address these issues. If you have not signed up yet for the Motzei Shabbos program, please do at yedidim.org slash events. I would like to now introduce Rabbi Lef. Rabbi Lef has Talmidim all over the world, and many of them has never met him personally. This may sound a bit strange, but as two Rabbanim in L.A. has said publicly, when they introduced Rabbi Lef in their respective shuls, they consider themselves Talmidim 
of his due to the tremendous amount of Rabbi Lef's shiurim that they have listened to and learned from without ever meeting Rabbi Lef in person. So I thank Rabbi Lef once again for joining us and I am happy to introduce Rabbi Lef tonight to teach and inspire us. Greetings to all of our friends in Los Angeles. Uh, I would have liked to be there in person with you, but uh, this is uh, at least second best. It's a time of Tzoros, not just for Klal Yisrael, but for the entire world. And if we approach it, and relate to it properly, then the tzara itself will be a reason for a Yeshua, and from the tzara itself we'll be able to uh, to gain. The Svarim point out that the eye sees from the black, not from the white. Sometimes a person can uh, see from the tzara, from the blackness of the tzara, the more they can see when things are going fine and everything is white. In order to illustrate what is a true and proper Torah perspective on how to deal with adversity, to deal with Saurus, I want to base it on the following Medrash. The Medrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu said, Boaz Chotosi, I sinned with the word Oz, and I will correct my sin with the word Oz. When Moshe Rabbeinu's first encounter with Paro was unsuccessful, and just the opposite, things got worse for the Jewish people and Paro stopped giving them straw, Moshe Rabbeinu came with a complaint to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Why did you do bad to these people? Why did you send me? From the time that I went to Paro to speak in your name, things got worse for these people. And you didn't save them. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I sinned with the word Oz, may Oz bossy of Paro. And I will correct that sin with the word Oz. Oz Yashir Moshe. Moshe took that Oz and put it into the Shira Sayom. Two questions. First of all, if I had to pick a word to represent the sin of Moshe Rabbeinu from those two sentences of complaint, I would have picked the word Lama. Why? That seems to sum up the sin. Who are you to question me, Moshe Rabbeinu? So uh, it's the first word of the two sentences. Why did Chazal pick out the word Oz, the beginning of the second sentence, and say that represents the sin of Moshe Rabbeinu? How does the word Oz represent the sin? And secondly, how did Moshe Rabbeinu correct it with the word Oz? Moshe didn't say Oz Yoshir Moshe. That's the narrative of the Torah. The Torah said Oz Yoshir Moshe. Moshe started with Oshir Lashem Kigel Go God. So uh, how did Moshe Rabbeinu correct it with the word Oz. He didn't even say that word. To understand this medrash and to ultimately understand how we are to approach adversity and deal with it, the Chazal mandate 
was brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. Chayiv Adam Lomar Kol Mazer Ovid Mishmael or Kol Mazer Ovid Rachmana Letav Ovid. Everything Hakadosh Baruch Hu does is for the good. Now that's a very difficult statement, since we see so much bad in this world, so many tragic things, so much adversity. How can we understand that everything is for the good? And as we say colloquially, everything is for the good. How can that be? The Gemara says in Barachos that when Hannah said her tefillah upon having Shmuel, she said, there's no rock like God. And Chazal say, there's no artist like HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chazal say an artist can just paint a picture, but he can't put a neshama into it. But Rishwag of Fivelman, the lover, says once the Pasuk compares Hashem to an artist, we can take that comparison a step further. And he gives the following marshal. He says, if you tell a kindergarten child to draw the picture of a person standing in front of them, so they draw a circle for the head, a line down for the body, two lines out for arms, two lines down for legs, two dots for eyes, a dot for a nose, a big smile, and you know exactly what he's drawing every step along the way. But if you tell Rembrandt to paint the same picture, so he doesn't start with a circle. He dabs a little black paint on the canvas and a little red paint on the canvas. Somebody who is uninitiated in art is going to tell Rembrandt, you destroyed this canvas with your red paint and your black paint red blotches, black blotches. I'll bring you another canvas, start with the circle, and let's get on with this. Rembrandt will tell him, have a seat, have a little patience. This painting is going to take me six months. If at the end of six months you have any questions, I'll be glad to answer them. What's going to be when the painting is finished? You'll see the red was needed for contrast, the black was needed for a shadow, and everything, even though it appeared in the beginning, to be destructive was really part of the beautiful painting that Rembrandt was making. So too says Rav Shagafaivl Mendelovich, the Rabboni Shalom is painting a panorama of history that extends till eternity, includes this world and the next world and the spiritual world and Trias Amesim and Olam Haba. And we're in the middle and we see a small portion of that picture. And we have questions of red blotches and black blotches. But if we could see the entire panorama, we could see the entire picture. Ad We'll see that everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu did is for a purpose. And everything fits eternally into that beautiful picture that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is painting. The Chafetz Chaim says the same idea in a very cute way. It says there's a posse that we say twice a day, Shogner Hashem is called Hashem protects all those that he loves and he'll destroy all the wicked. No problem with that sentence. But what if you never heard the sentence and you came to Shul late one day and you hear them saying, God is going to destroy all those that he loves and all the Rishoyim. And you walk out perplexed. Why would God want to destroy 
the um, the people that he that he loves. But what happens if you never heard that pasuk and you leave shul early and you hear Shomer Hashem is Kol God will protect all that he loves and all of the Rishoyim too. Why would God want to protect the Rishoyim? And you leave perplexed. Says the Chafetz Chaim, we come late into this world and we leave early. And we only see a portion of the picture. If you could see the whole picture, we'd see how everything is fine. Hashkothically, how the Rabbana Shalom gives the Rishoyim what they deserve and gives the Tzaddikim what they deserve. Chavetz Chaim also says the following. He says there were 10 brothers that went down to Egypt innocently to buy food during the famine. And they're accused of being spies and they're put into prison and then they're taken out of prison and they're sent home to bring their little brother and they find their money in their sack. And when the little brother comes, he's accused of being a Ghanav and nothing makes any sense. They have many, many questions. And they think that one day someone will sit them down and for maybe hours, days, weeks, explain to them all of these enigmas, all of these questions. However, it wasn't like that. How many words were necessary to answer all their questions? Two, Ani Yosef. When Yosef revealed himself to the brothers, everything became so clear of why everything had transpired. So too, says the Chafetz and we have a lot of questions. Why this Tsar and why that Tsar and this pogrom and this, this Holocaust and, and, and Jewish history and each person has their own peckle of questions from their own personal life and their own personal adversity. And we think that one day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to explain to us all these things and it's going to take months, weeks, years to explain all the, the enigmas of Jewish history and the enigmas of a person's personal life. But it's not true. Two words will answer everything. Ani Hashem. When Hashem will reveal himself and will see that tremendous panorama, that beautiful work of art that HaKadosh Baruch Hu crafted for eternity, will understand how everything perfectly fit in. The Gemara comments on the following Pasuk, That day when Hashem will rule over the entire world, will he, he be one and his name one. So the Gemara asks, and now HaKadosh Baruch was not one, only then he'll be one? And only then will his name be one and not now? The Gemara answers, This world is not like the next world. In this world, on good things you say, and on bad things you make up, In the next world, everything is Says the Tzlach, that can't mean that in this world there's bad and good, and we have two different brachas. And in the next world, there's only good, so there's only one bracha. There has nothing to do with the bracha. Tell me, in this world, there's bad and good. In the next world, there's only good. 
He says what it means is in this world on things that appear to be good, we made a tova metiv. And on things that appear to be bad, we made a dying ho'emes. But in the next world, looking back, we will be able to see that even the things in this world that we made a dying ho'emes are really hatova metiv. Really, they were for the good. And that's what it means, and God's name will be one. In this world, the Gemara says, We write God's name, but we read it, In the next world, we will write it, and read it, I think perhaps the idea is the following. The Maral says that is God beyond time. He supersedes and, and transcends time. Beyond time, everything is merciful. But it's in this world, we are limited by time. We don't see the whole picture. And therefore, we read that name, Aleph, Dalit, Nun, Yud. Aleph represents Hashem at the beginning of time. Aleph, when he was one. The Yud represents Hashem at the end of time, when all the many things that he created will unite as ten. Ten is a unit to itself. He'll, all the things will unite under Hashem. And in between those two times, beginning of time and end of time, we have two letters, Dalit, Nun, Din. There's where we see judgment. There's where we see uh, adversity. So if everything is really for the good, then uh, why do we daven that bad things should go away? Why don't we say, Rabbanus, I know it's all for the good, and therefore, keep it going. The answer, one answer is that everything is for the good. But sometimes the good has to happen in a very bitter way. And sometimes it can happen in a sweet way, depending on our limitations. So when we daven, we try to change the situation, change ourselves, that perhaps the good can come in a sweeter way rather than a bitter way. On Rosh Hashanah, we wish each other a Shana Tova Umasuka, a good and sweet year. Every year is good. No matter how bad it is, it's good because it's for the good. But it's not always sweet. Sometimes it's bitter. So we want a good and sweet year. Sometimes a person's sick. He needs a painful operation. And the painful operation is going to give him 50 happy, healthy years. It's for the good but it's bitter. And if the patient could just change his condition and perhaps strengthen his body, maybe the doctor wouldn't have to give him the operation, but could give him some bitter medicine or sweet medicine to accomplish the same thing. So when we daven, we change our condition, we strengthen ourselves. And maybe the good that is eternally good for us won't have to happen in such a bitter way, but happen in a more in a more sweet way. So davening does not change God's mind, changes our condition. And therefore there are many things that can change our condition, Torah and mitzvahs and chesed and stalker. And when the condition changes, then maybe the ultimate eternal good can be brought about in a sweet way and not necessarily in a bitter way. And therefore Chazal say, Haroi Yisurim Boim Allah, if someone sees that they are suffering and that things of adversity are coming their way, what should they do? 
explains, look and examine your deeds, see if there's things you can correct. And even if there are things that you that don't need correcting, but maybe you can do it better. Maybe you can improve in certain things, find things that you can do better than you're doing them. Because whatever can affect a positive change can possibly affect that the ultimate good can be brought in a sweeter way rather than the bitter way it has to be brought now according to our limitations. And now we can return to the medrash that we started with. Moshe Rabbeinu came with a complaint. Why did you do bad to these people? Why did you send me? There's a difference between the word lama and the word madua. Madua connotes a question, an intellectual question. Da, no. Why? Explain to me. Why is this happening? That's not the kind of questions we can question HaKadosh Baruch Hu. His mind is way beyond our understanding and therefore we can't question him. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say madua Ariosa. He wasn't looking for an intellectual argument with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but Lama. Lama means Lama for what purpose? There's no sin in that. If a person sees misfortune, he sees adversity. So the rabbis tell us, what are you supposed to do? Find something you can correct, improve. And therefore you have to ask, Lama, for what purpose am I suffering? For what purpose is this adversity coming to me? What can I do to improve, to change, in order to make that ultimate eternal good come in a sweeter way? So there's no sin in asking Lama. Lama hare Lama zeshlachtoni. The sin started with the word Oz. May Oz basil power. Moshe Rabbeinu took a moment in time and isolated it. And he asked the question on that moment, instead of projecting that moment into the panorama of eternity. That's how a Jew has to look at adversity. He has to question, why is this happening? For what purpose? At the same time, understand that ultimately it's all the, for the good because there's no isolated moments. Every moment is part of the panorama of eternity. And how did Moshe Rabbeinu correct that sin of isolating an Oz, a moment, and not seeing it as part of the panorama of eternity? When it came to singing the song at Kriyas Yamsuf, the Torah tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu did not isolate that moment and say, God, this is good and it's Kedai to sing for it because of this moment. But the Torah tells us, Oz Yashir Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu took that moment and projected it Ad He saw that it's good, not just because it's good right now, but it's good because it's part of that panorama of eternal history that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is drawing and painting. And therefore it's good, not only for now, it's good in the light of eternity. So he took that Oz, that moment, and he projected it all the way into eternal, eternal future, 
That's how a Jew has to face adversity. On the one hand, to believe that we see only a very small picture. And if we could see the whole picture, we'd know that everything is really for the good. At the same time, if the good has to happen in such a bitter way, then we want to know what we can learn from it, what we can use as an incentive to change, correct, improve, in order that this bitterness that's necessary go away and not be necessary, and that same eternal good can come in a very sweet way. One benefit of this uh, COVID-19 corona magefa is the fact we have plenty of time to think. And thinking is a very, very positive thing, especially when it's used properly. The Navi Yeshaya tells us, Yoda Shor Konehu Vachamor Evuspa Alov. An ox knows its master, and a donkey knows at least who feeds it. But Amilo Yoda, my nation didn't even know these things that are instinctive to animals, because Israel was Bonan because it didn't think. If we don't think, then the simplest, most instinctive things to animals will pass us by. So it's important to have time to think, to ponder. And uh, we have plenty of time to do that uh, during, this, during this pandemic. And what should we be thinking about? Our tfilos, tfilobetsibur is curtailed. Our shuls have been closed partially. And uh, maybe if we have something that we can't have, we appreciate a lot more than we take it than when, than when we have it and take it for granted. So appreciate tefillah. Our chinuch has been curtailed. Appreciate the chinuch of our children and see what we can improve. See we can improve in our davening. Our interaction with other people has been curtailed. Maybe we should appreciate more how important it is to interact. Our bein adam lechaveiro, what we can correct and what we can improve in our interpersonal relationships. So many people dying of this pandemic world over. And amongst Klal Yisrael, Sadikim, Gedolei Yisrael, who have perished because of this pandemic. Maybe we need to think about the importance of life, the importance of tzaddikim and gedolim, and to make some changes and improvements and corrections in our perception. And to think about the importance of life itself and how we should use our lives and use our time properly. Maybe there we need some corrections and improvements. And when we hear of the plight of many of our sisters and brothers, and maybe we need to be more sensitive, to be no say but all, to empathize and to sympathize with others. Maybe there we need some corrections and improvements. Only a Novi could tell us exactly why this pandemic is happening and what we have to do. And unfortunately, we're in Gaulus, we don't have Nefua, 
That's one of the things we cry over on Tisha B'Av. But everybody can take to heart personally and every community can take to heart personally what they think they can improve, what they can correct. And in that way, the pandemic and the tsara will be an incentive to improvement, to correction, and serve a very positive purpose. We are beginning the month of Adar. Let us hope that this month will usher in a time of La Yehudim, Haisa'ora, Vesimcha, Vesasan, Vikar, and usher in Bimheira. We should all be free from all sorrows. Coming of Mashiach soon in our days. Thank you, Rabbi Leth. It is now my pleasure to call on Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky, Rosh Yeshiva of Greater Washington, who has taught and inspired many through the Shiurim, as well as the Sforma he has written. Thank you for joining us, Rabbi Lopiansky. Please. Shalom Avrach, everyone. Uh, it's a virtual kennis, but that's what Akash Prabhu wants from us in these times. And Bimela, that's what we need to do. Um, the topic is relevant, extremely relevant to us, and it's called Expecting the Unexpected. And basically, I would like to present it in the following context. Um, Baruch Hashem, the life that we've all known in uh, our lives has been a very normal, routine life. Of course, everyone has their difficulties, their moments of uh, stress and strain. But Baruch Hashem, we've been blessed with a kufa when things have been relatively at Meimenuchas. Um, schools go on, camps go on, uh, children move forward. And we have normal communal life and everything is normal and fine and good. And Baruch Hashem, we've done well as a community. It used to be there were, God forbid, wars. There were all sorts of upheavals. Um, it's very hard to remember a period of time in Jewish history that did not have upheavals. Uh, changes of government wasn't just a question of you know, which party was in power. There would be new Xeris and things of that nature. And yet, Baruch Hashem, today, we have a relatively um, stable and fine situation. And all of a sudden, we were hit with this, which totally derailed us. The whole pandemic, more than specific damage, more than specific issues, it made us realize that, you know, the rail is not always, it, it's not just we're on a rail and we fall asleep and the, the train will move itself. Um, there, there are real stretches without rails and that's become very frightening to us. No one has any good answers. It's not clear that there are good answers. Um, everybody's baffled, everybody's bewildered. Um, it's just the whole situation, more than any specific issue has been to present us with the problem of we can't expect things to always be the same. And what do we do? How many emergencies can a person prepare himself for? So I'd like to learn through an Indian. 
Um, and this is built around a Peirek in the Alishur. It's the second shower. The, uh, actually, it's the first Peirek. And he, he, he talks, obviously, about things that are relative to Yeshiva Bacha, but certainly the concept transcends anything in particular Yeshiva Bacha it needs to know. And it's something that I think is, is a, a concept we need to deal with and uh, integrate as a community. The Gemara Saita says, Since the Churban has come, every day has more of a klala than the other day. So what keeps the world going? What's chosim? So two things, Akidusha de Sidra, the, 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 what we say after davening, after Shman Esrei, or Volitzion, that's called Kiddusha de Sidra. It's a certain seder of learning that Chazal have given us. A land that's cast in utter darkness, Tzalmavis, the shadow of death, without any structure. If there is structure, it's able to come out of the darkness. So Chazal are talking about the Chorban. And there are two items that stand out as to what the problem is. It's not that the Chorban created a problem, but each day has more of a klala than the other day. In other words, we, when we think we've seen it, something more comes along. And so it's not only how difficult the situation is, but how unexpected and unanticipated that difficulty is. That's one point. A second point, and this is not um, yet evidence, it, it's evidence in the second half of the, of the, of the, of the Chazal, um, the, the Beis Hamikdash is always identified with the oil in the world, with the light, and the um, the 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 Oro Shal Olam. When the Beis Hamikdash is Charev, the world has been cast into darkness, and the cure for darkness there is Yeshme Rabbah Agadita, which we will not speak about now. That's not the topic, but the Kedusha the Sidra which Chazal encapsulate as Sdurim, Ho Yesh Sdurim, Tofiyam Ofel. I'd like to uh, talk about that, and that's really the period that he talks about. Let's understand a little bit about the difference between Or and Choshech in terms of our um, ability to function. When we see, we have senses with five the we used to call them five senses there are possibly more but we have different senses in our body that um, feed us information about the world around and allow us to um, make decisions there is an extraordinary difference between light sight and all the other senses all the other senses deal with point by point by point. They give us a particular detail of information. 
So um, if a person's eyes are closed, it's dark outside, and he's feeling along the walls, um, the ground, whatever it is that he feels, the ground to his feet, the walls with his hands, he's getting information. But that information is bit by bit by bit. You smell something that gives you a bit of information, um, and so on. The only sense that gives us a panorama, that gives us a sense of the whole, of the entire, is the sense of sight. Sight is something that we see everything in one shot. The difference is that so long as we depend on any sense other than sight, we progress barely. You've tapped the wall, you go one step, one step, one step, you listen, that's it. You don't actually even want to move very far. In the Makas Choshech, it says that we were um, stuck and nobody got up. The, the Mitzvah who was stuck in the darkness, no one got up uh, for three days because light is what gives us a sense of the beyond in a way that we can plan accordingly and we can get there. So I look around me and I see there's something good to eat. It's all the way down the, the, the road. I can walk towards the road. I have no problem with it. When I have to tap my way and feel it step by step, listen to sounds for cues, I get bit by bit information. And I'm very, very reluctant to act long range. I just meet each piece that comes along and so on. So if we're to ask ourselves, what is the difference between or and Koshech? The difference between a complete picture to bit by bit information. It's the difference between able to react versus to act. For the person who sees the whole picture, he acts. The person who only feels, if I, if I feel with my foot, there's a hole, I move away. If I sense with my hand, there's a place to hold on, I move forward, and so on. So, so this, the senses allow us to function in a very limited way, and sight allows us to move forward, to make progress, and so on. When light is on, when we have our eyes and we see, we function very well. We understand where we're going. We understand where we're driving and where we're getting to. But what happens when it's dark? Then we're really stuck and we can't move forward. So a situation where it's dark, darkness is associated with the ability of rational planning. A wise man has eyes in his head and a fool walks in darkness. So being able to use our mind and seichel in a rational way is akin to this process of light. And usually that's the situation. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings kufis to us that are described in the Pasuk, Eretz Ayifasek Ma'ofel, a land cast in utter darkness, Salmoves Velostarim, total uh, near-death um, darkness and no star. So then we have 
a real issue how to deal with anything, how to feel we're going someplace, how, how, how it, it's not only going forward, it's, it's the sense of are we going forward in place? When a person deals, you know, in the classic person who's always working, you know, hand to mouth, his tragedy is that he's not going anywhere with it. He, he, at the best, he can just keep staying where he is. He'll, he'll keep himself alive. And that's why hand-to-mouth existence is a terrible existence. So Chazal tell us there's a concept called starim. Seder means structure. And I'd like to try and understand what that means. We're not talking about mechanical structure. In other words, at 9 o'clock I get up, at 9.30 I eat breakfast, at 10 o'clock I go to work, at 11 o'clock I go with this. That's, um, that's mechanical. And that certainly fails in a difficult time. Um, that, that, that's not the say that we're talking about, and that's not very helpful. We're talking about something much deeper. When I need to reevaluate and ask myself, what am I really doing? So for instance, um, if a person is, is told to travel on this and this route, 100 miles, and then turn right, and then there's a big traffic jam, he's quite helpless because um, he doesn't know where he has to go to. So the only thing he knows is go down this route 100 miles and turn right for a mile. But the ability to be able to plan how to go around it is difficult. Let's take a case that's, that's, that's even more complex. I'm setting out for a vacation and there's this huge uh, roadblock or, or something and it'll mean waiting X amount of time. So I also need to be able to ask myself, what am I, what's the purpose of vacation? And how much time will it cost me? And is there a better way to do it? If I don't have that, if, all, if I have a car that's set on automatic to get in this place, but there's no real understanding of why I'm getting to this place, then, then, I, am, then, then I can't look at the bigger picture and go around it. So I've set my car to take this place, and if everything's okay, it will get me there the quickest way possible, and everything's wonderful. But it doesn't have an inner sense of what it's about. When we deal with Torah and mitzvahs, with Yiddishkeit, so Baruch Hashem, we've developed a routine, a routine that is appropriate for a given set of circumstances. This is where you daven, this is where you learn, this is when you learn, this is how you learn, and so on. And those, and that's very, very good under normal circumstances. But if all of a sudden there's a wrench thrown in and something is, is, um, is off, I have to be able to reevaluate myself and say to myself, what are my real goals and how should I get there? Um, I've been told that I can't congregate down with a minion. Okay, so what is tefillah? And how, does, how do I realize my tefillah? And, and so on. If so long as my um, avodas Hashem has been confined to details and routine, 
it never will be able to serve me when that's derailed. If my children can't go to yeshiva now, what is important for them to learn? What's important in their day to emphasize? Unless I understand the bigger picture of what's being accomplished with the learning and how, I'm really going to have a very hard time being able to make a meaningful plan. So let's go back to the example of the person who's in darkness. Um, if I'm in darkness, and the only thing I can do is just feel tap, tap, tap. It's a place I've never been to. And tap, 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 very slow progress and great reluctance to go further. But if I know the layout, it's a, it's a terrain that's very familiar to me. And I have a sense of the place. So I can feel my way around. And I know approximately how long I'll be getting to the end of the sidewalk and when I hit the road and where the road goes to and all of these things. So the Seder that we're talking about here is an underlying structure. There's a a darkness that's almost a darkness unto death because there's no structure. Going back to Besamikdash, Besamikdash had an avoda, a constant avoda. Tmidin, um, Musafin. There was Tamid, Tamid, Tamid. And it was a routine of Avodah Hashem. And that was our connection. And that was the light that lit up our lives. All of a sudden, we don't have this light at all. We don't have anything. If for a person who's only, um, whose only connection to Avodah Hashem was that, you know, there's, there's the carbon tomate at six o'clock in the morning, and, the, and there's the menorah at this time, and there's the tires at this time, and there's the, the, this at this time, and so on, then I am going to be lost. I'm lost, because I have no idea of what the structure is. I know what the points are. I know what, uh, what I do now, what I do now, what I do now, but I know the schedule. I don't know this, the, the, the Seder. Chazal gave us a certain Seder, and we're trying to explain why it's called a Seder <coughs> of things, so that a person can um, implement that Seder anytime, even without Vesem English. And the person gets a certain sense of Seder in his Avodah Hashem, and that, that guides him even when he can't see it with his eyes. That's the, that is the Chazal, and, and that's more or less the understanding of it. <clears throat> I, I, I want to talk a little bit about relevant to us. We um, will look back at this year. God willing, we are already beginning to look back at this year. God willing, things will are going to come to normal soon. But we're going to ask ourselves, um, did we lose a year in our life? Uh, the children certainly did not do as well in school as they would have done had everything been normal. Um, we certainly had a lot of ups and downs. I want to point out another thing. A lot of communities have developed difficult friction between members over these things. And um, you know, communities that lived very nicely and everybody was fine and good. And um, people, some people have really, really uh, become devastated.
in, in all the directions of the fight. It doesn't make a difference. So what have we gained this year? I mean, we've lost a lot. And I'm not, not even talking about low later, the people who passed away, the people who are very sick. But even as a community that pulled through and Baruch Hashem is healthy, we lost a lot. And the answer is no. What we lost was a shakeup of, of our routine. It forces us to understand that unless we're able to grasp our Yiddishkeit, not in terms of details, but in terms of a big picture, what's the purpose of davening? What's the purpose of its sibur? How do I realize it? And, and so on. Unless a person understands that, there's no way he can do anything if plans become, you know, if, if, if there's a shakeup of some sort. And it's not only so that in case there's got to be a shakeup, we, we need to rethink things. It's also because it's a much deeper Yiddishkeit when we don't deal with the details, but we deal with the bigger picture. The, um, the, 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 there's a, a Sifri in Nazino, it says that a person should always make his Torah klolem and not protein. In other words, a person should try to learn in Torah the cloud. It's like in Piske Halacha. A person who learns just details of Halacha is fine so long as the case confirms to the detail, which is quite rare, actually. But if a person understands the bigger structure of Halacha, where it's coming from and so on, then the person is able to pass it, situations that really come up. I want to um, read a paragraph of his from uh, the, from that peric towards the end of, of this of this peric in Ali Shur, and it's something that is uh, I think the piece relevant most to us. He speaks about seder relevant to Bachar, obviously, but then he says All I've said is relevant to daily life of 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 a, of a person of Hashem. We find ourselves in different situations. But many times in life, we find ourselves suddenly cast into a new situation that we have no clue as to what it is, and we couldn't possibly have prepared ourselves for it. Lucky, fortunate is the person who knows how to rearrange himself based on the fundamentals. And he doesn't lose himself and doesn't become demoralized. That's how we see a big person. The Yosef Hayim Mitzrayim. The Yosef was in Mitzrayim. So the Rashi says, He and his children were 170. So what's for Yosef Mitzrayim? Yes, that's part of the Cheshman. So Rashi says, It teaches me that Sitka is Yosef Atzadik. Who Yosef Aroas Tzayin Aviv? The same Yosef that shepherded his father's sheep. Who Yosef Shemitzan Asamelech, 
He's the Mitzrayim, Samuel said that's a Mitzrayim, and became a king, became an assistant king, and became royalty, and he made a Sitkis. I want to explain something. He didn't keep the same storm by Paro as he kept by his father. He lived in a very different world. He was married to a Mitzri woman. He, he lived in a very different world. He knew and understood how to transpose the, the, the principles, the halachas, and, and recast it because he was wise. He didn't just keep the things. He couldn't keep them. He was an Evet for a long time. He was royalty. He was a different world. But he had to be able to recast it. And, and the Torah is made on him. It's the same Yosef. So that means that internally it's the same person. He expresses the same values um, in a different way. And that's who Yosef Atzadik is. I want to tell of a story um, that it, it, it's in the, the biographies of Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Kalbach. He was the last Rav of Hamburg. Um, he was an extraordinary person. Um, and he went to his death with his kehillah. Um, the 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 kehillah was in Germany, and they you know for for quite a bit, and then they were sent off to Riga to a to a concentration camp near Riga, and then they were taken there to a forest and killed. Al Kiddush Hashem. The um, there are descriptions and eyewitness descriptions of how he what he did in the, in the in the concentration camp and the main thing was he 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 provided activities for the children he had people teach different subjects he 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 it was his focus was that the kids be gainfully occupied doing things and so on what he thought would be, no, I don't know how much he knew what would be what not, but as long as they were alive, his obligation was to do everything outside Yosotov. To be able to be taken from Hamburg, which was an extraordinarily developed civilized city with everything, uh, it was as high up as you could get in terms of comfort, sophistication, city, be cast into a concentration camp and immediately to recast it. On Hanukkah, he organized a whole Hanukkah party. It, it meant that the kids learned songs, they, 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 they came, they this, they had had some candy to take along, and each kid got one little candy, and they marched in, they marched out. All of that, that's because he, his, he was able to take a look and say, okay, how do we construct a kehillah in these circumstances? And that's an incredible test. That's a, real, that's a test of Seder. It's not, well, we always used to dominate chakras at seven o'clock, so seven o'clock shall be. It's able to say, okay, this is what it's about, and let me recast it here. And they need it because not having a sense of, a structural sense of life is no life.
That's an incredible person, an incredible Tkufa. Baruch Hashem, Kodesh Baruch Hu has given us a test. It, it makes us understand how difficult a test is. Even looking back in history, I'll say, yeah, those are years and a pandemic, things were a little crazy, hectic, but it's not going to, in, in, in historically, it's not going to hold a candle to really difficult situations. But we lived it, and we know it's difficult. And the lesson we need to take out from here is, like he says, many times finding ourselves in difficult situation, we need, it, it forces us to realize that we don't really know what we're doing. We know each item that we're doing, but what's the big picture? What are we really doing? We don't know. So we have to restructure ourselves and ask ourselves, what does it mean to be part of a community? What is Tefillah like? What is Tefillah B'Tzibur at? What, what's important to learn? Um, what keeps the learning continuous? Um, and so on. The, the many, many questions will force us to think a little more deeply, to understand what we're doing, to bring a little bit Seder in our lives. I don't mean Seder just on the clock. Seder meaning structure. What are the different elements of our life contributing to it? And Bezus Hashem, if we're able to, if to, 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 to build Seder in our lives, then Tofia Me'ofel, it will take us out of darkness. And Bezus Hashem, we should be Zoha, the Oira Godel of when Bezus Hashem, uh, comes back to Zion and will be Zoha to the Oira Godel in Zion that will light up our lives and to give us the, the totality of um, sight, understanding. Thank you.